Ezekiel 16, and let's look at a few more examples this day of the power of the voice of God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where the word of a king is, there is power. We want to encourage our faith in that, that we can be consoled when we're sad, we can be comforted when we're weak, we can be encouraged and given confidence, we can even be convicted when we think about the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and His spoken word. In Ezekiel 16, we have the origin and greatness of the nation of Israel, and it is based on one word. Let me read to you the first few verses of Ezekiel 16. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations, and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan, Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Amen. amen and amen. That is the origin of Israel, and that's what made Israel great. It was the time of love. Did you hear our brother get up a few minutes ago thanking God for being able to, dis- to, dis- to see the discriminating and distinguishing love of God for his people? It was not the time of love for the Philistines. There was never such a time. It was the time of love for the Israelites. And the Lord wants us to know twice in this sixth verse, when thou wast in thy blood, you were dying in your blood, you could not help yourself. I said to thee, live. And that was the greatness of Israel. She waxed great because of the Lord's word to her. Now, the rest of this chapter goes on to describe what ungratefulness Israel had and took the blessings that God had given her and used those blessings to commit idolatry with the gods of the nations round about her. What a terrible thing. But it's no 
more terrible than if we go out of this place today and we do not live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has said, live to us. Let's live for Him. It's our reasonable service to be conformed to the image of His Son and not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We should choose today in our minds by faith that we will live for the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, he's done for us. Ezekiel 16 is a powerful chapter. There are people writing us right now saying there is no such thing as spiritual adultery. Have they ever read the Bible? The Bible is full of whoring, whoring after other gods, harlotry with other gods, the whore and adultery and fornication with other gods. The Bible's full of it. This chapter is full of it. Because this woman, this baby girl, whose breasts were fashioned and became a beautiful woman, she took her beauty and cast it on lovers around about her instead of the Lord God. And this chapter describes what spiritual adultery is all about. When we play with the world and when we get more excited about the world than the Savior we have, we are spiritual adulterers and adulteresses. Because we have flirted with the world who is the enemy of God. And when we flirt with the world, we become the enemies of God. Remember that. We commit spiritual adultery when we're a friend of this world because this world is no friend of God and God is no friend of this world. We must guard our souls that the excitement and enthusiasm we have for the things of God always put our excitement and enthusiasm for the things of the world in the shade. There can be no comparison or competition between the two. But I want you to hear the word. From Ezekiel 16, live. And you know what? Though we don't have a chapter for it, has the Lord God of heaven ever said that to these United States of America? Absolutely. Live. Because the proof is in the pudding. This nation over the last 300 years has been blessed abundantly to be taken from a wilderness of savages who had no light at all. And I don't care what PETA or the ACLU want to say about what I just said, they were savages that had no light at all. And the Lord raised up out of this North American continent a great nation where the truth of the gospel was preached on everywhere. And God's people came here and sought refuge from the state churches of Europe. And what a nation, and it was blessed and grew to be great. And now this nation wants to turn its back on the God that made it great. And we should not be surprised at the disaster that we are presently facing right before our eyes. Live. One word. And Israel lived and became great. Turn to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Let's deal with the first three fathers of Israel for just a moment. Don't you ever be afraid. You make sure that you walk with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, every day of your life and trust Him. He will take care of you. Look what he says in Psalm 105 and verse 15. Speaking of Israel, speaking of their fathers, look at, he mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in verses 9 and 10. I want you to see the context. I'll give you the land of Canaan, verse 11. They were only a few men in number, yea, very few. How many went down into Egypt? Depends which passage you read from 66 to 75. But they were around 70 souls that went down into Egypt. 
And they came out, how many footmen? 600,000. When the Lord says live, things happen. They were few in number, verse 12. They went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another. Verse 14, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. I love these two verses. I want, I want you to... You love them, brother? When the Lord Jesus Christ is with you, you don't need anyone else on your side. Everything is going to be fine. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes. Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Abraham, Genesis chapter 20. Abraham goes down into Egypt, or he's, in, he's with, I want Genesis chapter 12. There's two events in the life of Abraham. They're both good, but I want the better one, just for the sake of time. And it's in Genesis chapter 20. Abraham journeyed to the south and said to Abimelech, king of Gerar, who took Sarah, She is my sister. Abraham, in a moment of weak faith, says, Sarah is my sister because he was afraid that Abimelech would kill him. Because she was a beautiful woman to look upon. Abimelech took Sarah into his harem, into his house. But that night, the Lord spoke to Abimelech in a dream and said, Thou art but a dead man. That woman is another man's wife. And Abimelech said, That man told me she was his sister. I did this in the integrity of my heart. God said, I know you did it in the integrity of your heart. But if you don't return that man's wife to him, you're but a dead man, and I'll kill your whole house. I want, I want you to understand what Psalm 105 verse 14 meant. And verse 15, when it said, Touch not mine anointed. And he rebuked kings and said, Do my servants no harm. Thou art but a dead man. Do you, do you like that kind of a friend on your side? Yeah. We're talking with the God of heaven yeah. saying to a man that took your wife when you were, you were the one at fault. Thou art but a dead man. And they reason through the night and he gets up in the morning. He gets up early in the morning. And he gets together his household and he tells them what God has told them that, that night. And the whole place trembles because God has threatened to wipe them all out if they don't give Sarah back to Abraham. Now how's that for God being on your side? How do you like the words, thou art but a dead man? I like that. The Lord will look out for you. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of your wife. Trust Him. Call upon Him. Believe Him. Well, the word of a king is, there is power. Abimelech was a king, but there is a king of kings. Abimelech was under the king of heaven. Isaac tried the same thing in Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, Isaac followed the example of his father who did it twice. Abraham did it in Genesis 12 and 20. Abraham and Isaac tried it in Genesis 26. And we read in verse 11. Here's what God did to Abimelech this time. Abimelech charged all his people saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife 
shall surely be put to death. Do you like that? That was out of, out of, by an order from heaven upon Abimelech. And Abimelech had learned a lesson, learned a further lesson, and told his people, don't you dare touch Isaac or Rebekah. Anyone touches either of them shall surely be put to death. Then we come over to Genesis chapter 31. We're moving all the way to Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob ran away from Esau because Esau threatened to kill him. Went back to his relatives, got a couple, got a few wives there. Rachel, Leah, and their handmaidens. Laban kept changing his wages. Laban was hard on Jacob. You know, deceived him the, the night of his honeymoon. So that he ended up with the wrong girl. Woke up in the morning. Don't ask me about all the details. Just trust the word of God. He didn't know who he went to bed with that night. But he woke up in the morning and realized that he had Leah. Laban dealt poorly with him. But I want to tell you, the Lord will take care of you. When these, don't, don't ever be a whiner to me. Don't be a whiner to the Lord. And let's not whine to each other if your job isn't going just the way you think it should. Because the Lord is able to take care of you, even if you've got a boss that you think is froward. Now, you know what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, that if you have a froward master, you should submit and obey him anyway out of conscience toward God. And some people wonder why they never get ahead. Well, stop your whining. Trust the Lord. Laban was a tough man to work for. But I want to tell you something. When Jacob arrived, do you know what he owned? A staff. When he left, he was too large to travel together. He had to break it into two bands. Because he swallowed up the land. When he met Esau, Esau said, what is all this? What God has done for thy servant. Who are all these? The children that God hath given me. The Lord will take care of you. Now, I just want you to know that the Lord can speak to your boss in a way to help you if you'll humble yourself and be obedient to that boss. Just a couple of places. We don't want to get off in the story of Jacob and Laban altogether. Genesis 31, verse 24. Laban is chasing Jacob and his daughters because Jacob left in a hurry. He wanted to get away from his father-in-law because his father-in-law was hard to deal with. So he takes off and Laban's coming after him. Verse 24 of Genesis 31. God came to Laban and the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. The word of the Lord, where the word of a king is, there is power. And the Lord spoke to Laban and said, Don't you dare think that you're going to tear into my Jacob. I don't care who you are, Laban the Syrian. Don't you tear into Jacob. We come over to verse 42. Let's read verse 41 as well. Jacob is speaking. Jacob is talking to Laban. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. He has just described what a faithful servant he had been. Thus have I been twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, 
Surely thou hadst sent me away now empty. God hath seen mine affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. Praise the Lord. That's where you put your trust. Brethren, we live by faith. We do not live by sight. And if you have a boss that isn't taking care of you, you keep serving your master in heaven first and then your master on earth. If you have opportunity to get another job, go ahead and do it. But don't be a whiner. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a rebel. And don't go on strike. None of those things work. Look at the auto company. I, I, I am thrilled from one respect of what's happening in Michigan. That the UAW is getting their comeuppance for thinking that they deserve to get paid for the jobs they did in those factories at the level far above what they ever did. And so they're losing their jobs. Don't you go on strike. Don't be a rebel. Don't play the clock. Don't cheat your employer. The Bible tells you not to do that. The Bible tells you to serve with all your might. The Bible tells you not to answer again. The Bible tells you not to be a purloiner. The Bible tells you not to murmur. The Bible tells you to do it as unto the Lord. The Bible tells you to do it with your heart. Not with eye service as a man pleaser. The Lord will take care of you. Just like he took care of Jacob. He rebuked Laban. Don't you dare speak good or evil to my son Jacob. Keep that in mind. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. Yes, I'm cutting and culling. You heard one already from Brother Lou. I am he. And they all fell backward. I am he. Whom seekest thou? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Amen. And then Lou's all excited today about those gypsies over there in Acts chapter 19. Seven of them thought that they would call down one man possessed of the devil. And they had heard Paul do it, and so they said, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And one man jumped on seven, stripped them naked, and chased them out of that house. There's seven naked guys running up and down the street howling because one devil-possessed man was too powerful for seven of them. Because the devil said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who in the world are you seven guys? Praise the, That's in the Bible. Amen. And who says the Bible's a boring book to read? The Bible's a wonderful book to read. Amen. You know what great fear come, came on that city? There were some baptisms that afternoon. There was. Go read about it. Jesus, I, I want to say this to you. Jesus, I know. And if you're walking with him, he knows you. The devil knows you. Jesus I know and I know you. You call on the name of Jesus. In the name of the authority and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear the devil. Right. We don't preach a whole lot about fearing the devil in this church. We preach a whole lot about fearing God and the Lord Jesus Christ in this church. Because if didn't Jesus say, Fear not them which kill the body, speaking of men. Fear not them, but fear him which is able to cast both body and soul into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. That's the fear that works. It's the fear of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 14. Let's just look at a few more, brethren. I've had so much pleasure with this, and I want you to have pleasure, and I want it to build your faith so that you can walk out of here and believe that no matter what the circumstances facing you, the Lord can take care of you. Matthew 14, verse 15. 
And it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You look in God's Word and God's telling you to do something, and you say, I am totally inadequate for this job. I cannot do this. But God's telling you to do something. What do you do? Say, I can't do it, and go hide your talent in the ground? What do you do? This is tough. How do you feed 5,000 men with their families? We've got 20,000 people, and the time was passed, meaning they were hungry. How do you do it? You feed them. I'm not going to read the rest of it because you know it. 5,000 men. 5,000 men plus their families. We've got 20,000 people. They were all hungry. There were 5,000 of them. There was only a little boy's lunch. They were all filled. And they took up 12 baskets full. That is the Lord of glory. And do you know how he did it? He blessed the lunch. He blessed the lunch. When you have a lunch in life, when you're looking at, I'm not, a, I'm not a good enough parent. I don't know how to be a good parent. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good wife. I don't know how to be a good employee. How will I ever get ahead? These, these classes that I'm taking are so hard for me. Ask the Lord to bless your effort. He is able to take your effort and bless it. And make it great and multiply it. Look at, he multiplied this little boy's lunch. It was a little lunch. It fed 5,000. They were all hungry. They all got full. It was a buffet. And then they took up 12 baskets full. That's chapter 14. You go to chapter 15, and he did it for 4,000 men and their families by blessing the effort. Now listen, these, I've taught this before, but this is so important for you to be a successful Christian. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, or to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Do the reasonable best you can and tell the Lord you are dependent on him to bless and multiply your efforts. And he will do so and go to bed and sleep on it in faith. That is how you are to live. I cannot tell you the life-saving value of the words I just gave you from Psalm 127. When you have something difficult facing you, trust the Lord, because no matter how hard you work, except the Lord builds or the Lord keeps, the house is not going to get finished, and the city is not going to be kept. Do your reasonable best. Don't get up too early. Don't stay up too late. And don't eat the bread of sorrows by wondering, I'm never going to get this done. I can't do it. It's just too much. Just turn it over to the Lord and ask Him to bless your reasonable effort. He will take your lunch and multiply it. And He will feed the multitude and you'll take up leftovers. It'll save your life, Psalm 127, 1 and 2. I give you the Word of God. It'll save your life. You'll be great if you do things this way. If you try to cheat Psalm 127, 1 and 2 by getting up early and staying up late and doing it yourself and worrying about it and fretting over it, the Lord will withdraw His blessing and all of a sudden you're going to have a meager little lunch that can only keep a little boy going. 
You cheat yourself. You will not get ahead. The Lord has to take you ahead. Twice we have it. Matthew 14, Matthew 15. Thank you, Lord, for such wonderful examples. Look at Luke 5. Luke 5. Have you ever tried something many times and it didn't work? You think it didn't work? You've done it over and over and over again. Well, you don't know all the circumstances at play in that activity. You don't know all that the Lord is doing with you because He hasn't given you profit or prosperity yet from an effort. You go by His Word and trust His Word and do it. Luke 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Him to hear the Word of God... He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. A pile of fish. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. One word, two words I want. Nevertheless, in spite of the fact that I have already done this and it hasn't worked yet, in spite of that, at thy word, I will let down the net. If God has said something about your life, I don't care if it's with money, business, marriage, children, church, truth, health, anything. If God says it, keep doing it. You do not know why he left you dry in the previous efforts. It's for his glory and your profit. I can tell you that unless you've even if you've been sinning. You confess all those previous efforts and say, Lord, nevertheless, even though I've done it all night and we took nothing, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Praise the Lord! Do you get excited about the Savior you have? This is, this, is a, this is a fishing story. Don't come and tell me you should have seen it. It was this big. It was, I'm, I'm serious. It was, it was this big. This is a fish story. And God gets all the glory. The Lord Jesus Christ gets all the glory. We toiled all night long and have taken nothing. Nada. Nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. Do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ enough to do that in your life? Marriage, children, school, work, finances, health. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. Two ships sinking from the fish. They're shoveling them with snow shovels and buckets. 
and they're putting two ships under, all of you that know anything about ships and their ability to float know that was, that was a lot of fish to sink two ships. I wanted to show you the attitude, though, of a, of a child of God that loves a Savior. Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he didn't run to town to say, I'm going short on fish because I'm going to lower the price with supply. He didn't go and make any investment transactions at all. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When God blesses you, you tell him that you don't deserve that blessing. And he'll bless you more. He made Peter great. Peter knew he had such an impetuous mouth. Peter knew he was foolish and impulsive at times. He falls at the feet of Jesus and says, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And what did Jesus say? I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Come follow me. What a blessing. From fishermen to apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 8. The daughter of Jairus. The, the passage begins at verse 40 in Luke chapter 8. and It runs all the way to the end of the chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Jairus has come and told the Savior that his daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, is dying. While Jesus is being Mobbed by others who had their health problems. Verse 43 through 48 tells us about the woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. A servant came from the ruler's house saying, don't worry about it anymore. She's dead. Jesus said this, and I hope you all believe it. Fear not. Believe only. And she shall be made whole. Verse 50. Fear not. Believe only. And she shall be made whole. When the Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, and when he says those words to you, then we overrule a rule that we have. The rule that we have is, you pray and believe until the baby dies. You know where we get that rule from, don't you? From David's example with his little baby by Bathsheba that the Lord took. David prayed and fasted and said, perchance... The Lord will have mercy upon me and preserve the life of this baby. And so we pray and labor until the baby dies. But when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks, I want to tell you that he overrules even that. And he tells this man after the child had died, fear not, only believe. She shall be made whole. That is our Savior. That's the son of David. Verse 52 tells us that there's a whole lot of people weeping and bewailing her. And Jesus said to them, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed, and we should laugh with holy laughter. We should rejoice at such words from the mouth of Jesus Christ. And when he had put them all out, he took Peter, James, and John in, took the parents in, and then put them all out. And walking over, he took the maid by the hand, and he said to her, maid, arise. And the, ver the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ brought that 12-year-old girl that was dead to life. This is the voice of the Son of God. What a word is this. Where the word of a king is, there is power. The power to give life. He called Lazarus out of the grave. Lazarus, come forth. 
those sisters that were great believers, when Jesus said, roll away the stone. No, Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinks. It'll be terrible. Roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound in his grave clothes. That's the power of the voice of the Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, before he went back to heaven, blessed his apostles, and he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall heal the sick, raise the dead, and speak in other tongues from the voice of the Son of God. Go preach. Do you know who he was saying that to? Fishermen. Fishermen that ran from him in fear in the Garden of Gethsemane. Fishermen that would not stick with him in his trial. Fishermen that would not gather around the cross. Fishermen that were hidden away in an upper room for fear of the Jews. Jesus said, go preach, because all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, and these signs shall follow you. And did they go preach? They went, and what does Mark 16 tell us? Of course, if you've got a new version, verses 9 through 20 aren't supposed to be there. But Mark 16, the last four verses tell us, and they went everywhere and preached the Lord working with them and signs following. And you can read about those signs in the book of Acts. The power of the word. And do you know what? That preaching has come as far as we are. The the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, he shall speak peace to the heathen. He has spoken peace to us, brethren. He has spoken peace to us in our hearts. And he has spoken peace to us by sending the gospel even as far away as South Carolina from the land of Israel. He did that by the power of his voice. How is a man born again? John 5.25 tells us, It is by the voice of the Son of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. And then three verses later, Marvel not at this, For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good, unto the resurrection of life. They that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. The voice of the Son of God is going to bust up every cemetery around here. Every cemetery in the world. Every crematorium, which they should not have done. He'll put those ashes back together, put every body back together, and they'll stand before Him. The power of the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wicked and the righteous will come forth out of their graves. And he won't ask them. He'll tell them. And his voice will give those bones life. And they will stand before him and give an account of their lives. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly how we're born again. It is not the voice of the preacher that's going to get anybody out of a cemetery in the day of judgment. It's not preaching about the Son of God. It's the voice of the Son of God. And do you know how seriously the the apostles understood that? The Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 4, The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. You say, tell me what he might say. Well, I'll tell you what he said to John. Come up hither. Oh, go read that in Revelation 4.1. Come up hither. 
You want to have your eyes open to be able to understand the Word of God? Jesus said to John, come up hither. And he came up and heaven was open to him. And he saw the throne room of God. And he saw the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the angelic choir. He saw the choir of the saints. He saw the four beasts. And he heard them say, Amen. Amen. You know that, don't you? Revelation 5.14. How did all that happen? Because Jesus said, Come up hither. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. That's my Lord Jesus Christ. How would you like to hear these words? And do you think they came to pass? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Right. Do you believe they came to pass? Amen. Do you need a chapter in Acts about the thief on the cross? Or if Jesus said it, is that good enough? Yes. We have a wonderful song that circulates in some of our favorite CDs. It's called Too Small a Price. It's the words of that thief on the cross. It said it was too small a price to go through crucifixion. That that was a small price to pay. To have the Son of God hanging next to him say, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I like that. I like that. Would you be willing to hear those words? He's already told them to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And we just spent four sermons going over John 17. He has already prayed for you. Father, I pray that they may be where I am. Do you think you believe the prayer about the thief? Then believe the prayer about you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We shall never hear those words if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God and repent of our sins and turn to live righteously for him. You will never hear those words except directed at others. Matthew chapter 7 is describing Jesus Christ's judgment of false teachers, not of saints who had put their trust in Jesus but hadn't trusted quite enough. Nothing like that at all in Matthew 7. Those are false prophets that he has just spoken about in verses 15 through 20. You put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that he is the Son of God, that all these events that I've given to you by the authority of the apostles and prophets that wrote them down for us, that they are true, that he sits at God's right hand, that he's an all-sufficient Savior for sinners that were given to him before the foundation of the world for him to save. You believe all that, and you rise up and go out of here to live like it, and according to that, you'll never hear those words. The words you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Praise the God of heaven. We have a great Savior. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And do you know what he has said? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you know what else he has said? I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. If he has said that, there is no reason for you to ever be discontent. Be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And you should never be afraid, because he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do unto me? Do you believe that? Do you believe all that? Do you believe everything? 
Lord, help thou our unbelief. We do believe. May the Lord bless all of you this day, tomorrow if he tarries, the rest of your life as he tarries, that you'll remember that you have seated at the right hand of God a king that is your brother that you can pray to. He asks you to pray. He says you have not because you ask not. And where the word of a king is, there is power. You should pray, and I hope that we will this day from many places. But speak the word only. Speak the word only, Lord, and these things will be taken care of. Thank you for your kind attention. Amen.